On today's show, the hits keep coming as the Houston Rockets are unable to slow down Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers falling 124-115. Why has the Rockets' defense regressed so much since the start of the new year? And how can they get back to playing the defense that they were playing earlier this season? The silver linings from this blowout loss, though, Amin Thompson, Cam Whitmore continue to impress in the minutes that they've gotten. We're going to break it all down for you coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, Mike, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day. Whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym, thank you for being an everydayer and making the show part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, none other than NBA draft enthusiast and diehard Rockets fan, Madison Moore. You can track down on Twitter at MadmanLeaks. Here to break down yet another kind of brutal game here for the Houston Rockets. It's been a concerning trend. As of late, Madison, this road trip has not been kind to the Rockets. A 124-115 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. But do not let the final box score fool you. This game was not a nine-point game. This was not a close (laughs) game. The Sixers dominated this game. The Rockets led, I believe they led once. Like, like very early on, it was uh, was 17-16, I believe it was. When they they came back, they took the lead. Uh, and then it was all Sixers the rest of the way. I mean, they they straight up dominated. They had a, what was it, a 19-point lead, uh, I believe, at halftime. And they never took their foot off the gas. They, they controlled this game basically from that moment, midway, late first quarter, whatever, when the Rockets got back, took that lead. And then it was all Sixers the rest of the way. And what we're going to talk about before we get into some of maybe like the specifics, the nitty-gritty, what went wrong in this game Let's tackle the bigger problem here, Madison. The Rockets' defense has just fallen off a cliff over these last, you know, eight to ten games or so, and some of that coincides with missing Dylan Brooks and Mm -hmm. obviously Tari Eason as well. But Dylan Brooks back in the lineup now, and and the defense still not great back-to-back games uh, since the start of the new year. Yeah, I mean, to well, I, I, just, I, want, I want to give you that. No, sorry. That was, that was terrible on me. I like, I like paused at the worst possible time. So that's, that's on me, man. I just wanted to give the defensive rating before letting you go off because I, I know you've got thoughts about this. The Rockets are currently since the start of the new year. So January 1st, the 2024 calendar year, they are the 19th best defense in the NBA. Their defense has plummeted from being what was at one point, 
one of the best, the best defense in the NBA. They are now good enough for 19th in the nine games they played since the start of the new year. That is an absurd drop off. Yeah, man. I mean, you can really see it in the first quarters of games. I feel like for the most part, I think this team is still paying attention to the game plan. I, I do I do think that they're still locked in on the game plan, but there's really just a lack of physicality um, from this team and toughness. I feel like, um, to me, teams feel comfortable out there. They feel comfortable on offense. They feel comfortable with what they're doing, and there's not enough early disruption, picking up early. And Dylan Brooks really spearheaded a lot of that, so it really hurt to not have him uh, for that long stretch of time. But even tonight, there was just a lack of physicality where, where teams... Hey, what do you, what you mean? Un- no, no, no. What do you mean tonight? You owe a dollar to the jar that, that Craig and Ryan were talking about during the game. They had the, they had the jar for anybody who called it because it was a day game. And so if you ever uh, made the slip up, you said, <laughs> if you said tonight, I had a tweet during the game where I said something like tonight and somebody called me out on it. I was like, damn it. All right. So you owe a dollar to that jar. Wherever that jar is. I put my dollar in. I put my dollar in. But yes, today, today, the, the, uh, the guys really just have to have uh, more of a sense of urgency on that end of the floor. I feel like they are not locking in and uh, playing with that sense of urgency until you get into the second halves after M.A. has kind of chewed them out. You know what I mean? After he's really gotten into them about, you know, paying attention and, and attention to detail. And I think the physicality is what's missing most. I mean, also, I think this may be also – Something that I thought about when the Rockets were playing really well on defense earlier, I thought we had a bit of three-point shooting luck. I thought teams were getting decent shots from the perimeter. We were running hard. We were running them hard off the line, but they just weren't really making high percentages. But if you look at today, the, the, I believe they shot 48% from three. And 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 that just is a number that you're not going to, you know, win when when teams or uh, play good defense when teams are shooting yeah, that well. You, you've got you've got like three point shooting luck going maybe in the opposite direction, right? Where maybe early right, in the right. season Rockets were getting some you know some favorable shooting nights. Teams were struggling a little bit, so that probably helped a little bit in the defensive side of things, where it, it made the Rockets look a little bit better with teams you know shooting below maybe like the you know the NBA league average or whatever. Whereas these past two games. Boston and Philly were unconscious. They just couldn't, they flat out could not miss from three. Boston shooting over 50% from the three-point line. Again, as you alluded to, the Sixers, 48.5% from the mm-hmm. three-point line. Now, the issue comes, some of that is, hey, the Rockets aren't being as aggressive defensively, right? They're giving up some uncontested, wide-open looks, um, mm-hmm. making some mistakes in the defensive game plan. We're also seeing, and trust me, we're going to get into some of the the defensive. The, we're going to get into the overall game plan in this one because, my God, was it kind <laughs> of a nightmare. It was a mess we didn't ex- yeah. uh, in this one. We're going to get there in the, in the second segment, though. I don't know how much of, the, of what the Rockets' defensive identity, though, is if it's just like, if it's just guys are just playing tired, if it's again, we, we know and we've we've heard about in the past, right? Coaches like Nick Nurse who are so demanding defensively, who want you to buy into a really aggressive defensive scheme. We know that that is exhausting, right? And that might be mm-hmm. kind of a new reality for some of these guys, right? Not a new reality for Fred and Dylan, but a new reality for Jalen, for Al P, for mm-hmm. Jabari, even though those guys want to and I think are striving to be better, more you know competent defenders to try to lock in on a nightly basis. That's asking a lot of those guys to be that engaged defensively, to be a top-tier defense, and then also to have the production on the offensive side. We may have finally gotten to a point where, like, there's some 
I don't want to say diminishing returns, but like they're starting to run out of a, a little little juice, exactly. right? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think Alperin Shingun has not been as good as he was in the beginning of the season, like mm-hmm. the first twenty games. I think uh, in the paint, at, in the paint in specific, right? Uh, you know, just trying to rotate, beat there on time, and contest well at the rim. I think he's really regressed in that area. But it's a really hard thing to do for for a player like Alp. You know what I mean? For him to be that mobile and cover so much ground, and it really just shines a light on the lack of rim protection we have down down low. And Alp was, I I think, was overperforming early in the season. And you can see it be kind of regressing to the mean. So hopefully he can pick that back up because I don't think he's been terrible. I don't think he's been bad, but he just hasn't been as good as he was when we were a top five defense. And, and that's that's one of those things, right, that comes with the territory of, it, it, you know, Alp is, is asked to do so much and mm-hmm. provide so much production for this team on the offensive end. When yeah. you look around the league and you see other star players that do as much or have the usage that he does or do as much as mm-hmm. he does for a team, guys like, you know, whether it's, I mean, shoot, you can look up and down the list, right? All the high usage guys, uh, uh, LeBron James, uh, Jokic, Luka, whoever you want to pinpoint that is a high usage, like mm-hmm. arguably heliocentric guy. They're often guys who take plays off on defense, right? They rest on the defensive side of the ball because they are asked to do so much offensively. Whereas with Al P, it's just really tough because for this Rockets team to work as a cohesive five-man unit, all five guys have to be lockstep on the same page defensively to make it work, especially the way that Ime wants to play defense, switching consistently, all that stuff. So then when one guy kind of wanes a little bit or a couple guys lose their focus, lose their edge, maybe it's, you know, Jalen, maybe it's Fred takes a playoff or two or just, and again, I don't, I don't think that Fred and Dylan are immune to this criticism. I think they have moments where they have some defensive lapses as well. It's just fewer and further between because those are the experienced vets. They, they know how to lock in. They know where they can kind of coast a little bit if they need to on a possession or two without costing the team points. Uh, but that's, that's kind of the, the issue here is we're seeing a team that I think is, is, maybe running out of a little bit of juice here in staying mm-hmm. uh, in staying true to their identity, their philosophy, the way that they played in the early going of the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how Ime Odoka kind of, you know, tries to resolve this issue, right? Is it, does he have to get these guys like less minutes? Does he need to go deeper into his bench and run the bench, unit? which based on how well, how horribly they played in this game, maybe they shouldn't run the bench <laughs> unit more, more burn because my God, the bench was, that's where the, that's kind of where the game got lost. Um, you know what? We'll, we'll get into that. We're going to get into the game specifics here uh, in just a moment. Cause this was not a pretty game. There were some silver linings though. The play uh, of Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore in specific. We're going to talk about those guys. We'll talk about some of the game plan discipline from this one. Uh, it's all coming up here in just one moment. First today's episode is brought to you by better help. Look, around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of expanding on what we're already doing right. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I've done therapy in the past, and I've found it incredibly helpful in my life. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on MBA. 
Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel because right now the NFL postseason is underway and there is no better time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. And all you have to do is wager $5. It's that simple. The app is so easy to use and there's so many different ways to bet like live same game parlays, find bets in the new explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get in on the NFL postseason action. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Madison, in this game, there was a lot uh, left to be desired as far as the execution in this one, uh, both offensively and defensively. I've got a copious amount of thoughts, and we're probably not going to be able to get to all of them in this very episode, but I'll let you steer the ship here for a moment first. What bothered yeah. you the most about this game in particular? I know we spent the first segment just kind of talking more of the overarching defensive issues for you know to start this new year, but what bothered you about this game specifically? Well, when I look at individual players, I want to lay some of my issues with this game on two two particular players that I expect um, to perform better, who are our two con- most consistent players all year, and that's Fred Van Vliet and Alper and Shingoon. Fred Van Vliet went two of five from the field to uh, today. He took five shots. In a game where we only shot 30% from three, our best three-point shooter only took four threes which means he only had one other shot in this game. Uh, that's unacceptable, especially especially from a team that was struggling so bad offensively tonight. And we really could have used him and uh, needed him in the way that he was there the entire fourth quarter for us in the Detroit game. Every time that the, uh, this team was falling behind and needed a, uh, somebody to wake them up, uh, Fred Van Vliet stepped up. And tonight, I just thought he kind of coasted. He kind of just played through the motions of the game and he was not aggressive at looking for his shot and really forcing the other team to really guard him, you know? And, and because of that, I think he, he has the head of the snake, him and operation goon, they have to get off to better first quarters and get this team rolling offensively as well. And I think this first quarter is where it got away. And for me, I, uh, Fred Van Vliet, I'll start with that. He just, he, he wasn't aggressive enough offensively for me. You know, and I, I fully agree with your point there. And I do think uh, over the course of the game, I think it got a little bit better. But the problem was, and this is the part that, that kind of confused me, is they, from an offensive game plan perspective, Embiid was just camping the paint all game long. Ryan Hollins was like irate about it on the broadcast, yeah. just begging for the Rockets to get Embiid in motion, to force him to guard, put him in pick and roll so that he has to do something mm-hmm. because all the possessions that resulted in just you know, guys trying to ISO, go one-on-one, whatever, and trying to get downhill against Embiid without putting him in pick and roll were bad offensive possessions. Like, I don't know how many different times we saw the Rockets just try to straight-up attack a set Sixers defense yeah. without getting into just... All you had to do was run some high pick and roll, force... Embiid away from the rim because mm-hmm. then you run high pick and roll and you generate some wide open shots for Jalen, some wide open shots for uh, for Fred, who could have been a lot more aggressive in the pick and roll with Alper and Shingoon. And then there were moments where if you do get Embiid to, to move away and stop camping near the basket, we've seen LP when he's in motion coming off of a, uh, you know, out of the pick and roll and has like a full head of steam and gets that nice little pocket pass from Jalen or mm-hmm. from Fred. 
He finishes really well around the rim because he's 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 smaller. He's a little bit more agile, quick on his feet than some other bigs. And so he's able to kind of just, you know, do that little crafty kind of Euro, get around, you know, up and under move, whatever, or draw a foul because the other big is moving and sliding their feet. And he's so adept at drawing fouls. I just thought that was like the weirdest uh, game plan decision or lack thereof because they didn't target Embiid like at all. Mm-hmm. And he's the head of the snake for the Sixers. So if you target Embiid, you A, you're going to generate some better offense. B, you're going to put him in foul trouble probably, which he wound up getting in foul trouble back. later yeah. in the game. But by then it was, it was way too late. And that was because in the second half, they actually did start attacking him better. Like they, they actually started mm-hmm. going at him. And I do want to point out too, to your point about Fred Van Vliet and his lack of aggressiveness in this game, only attempting five shots, really off night for Fred. I want to give a lot of credit to the Sixers defense and their game plan and the fact that Nicholas Batum had him like in in hell. Dude, like Nicholas Batum guarding Fred Van Vliet is such a ridiculous, unfortunate mismatch. And that's not a mismatch in favor of the Rockets because Batum is a hell of a defender. He's lengthy. Mm -hmm. There was that one, man, the... uh, there was that inbounds play that the Rockets had where, where Fred was trying to get the ball and he was in the coffin corner. That, that, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and man, he tried to get the ball into Dylan Brooks. And like in my in my mind, I was thinking the moment Fred went to go take the ball out of bounds, I was like, could literally nobody else do that inbounds play? Yeah. Like, why did it have to be Fred in that moment? Because you've literally got Nicholas Batum, who's a 6'8", lengthy forward guarding you in the worst inbounding corner in mm. all of basketball. You're not going to get this ball in, man. And so... Right, right. That's look. The, the credit to the 76ers, Their defense was swarming. They uh, they stripped the ball from Alp so many times early mm-hmm. in that game. He had four first quarter turnovers, I believe. I don't think he registered the fifth one in the first quarter, but it was at least four four mm-hmm. first quarter turnovers. And like two or three of them were just defenders who came up and came up from behind him when he was getting ready to do something with the ball. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was like a lack of communication, teammates not calling it out right, letting him know, hey, somebody's behind you, like you know, protect the ball, whatever. But uh. It was just it was it was just a bad first quarter approach from the Rockets and it was also a great defensive showing from the Sixers who kind of like again the Rockets allowed the Sixers the comfortability of playing that level of defense by letting mm-hmm. Joel and B just sit in the paint and then the other four guys right. were just super aggressive on the perimeter. Yeah, and I think uh them overloading in the paint was a consistent theme throughout and for me Operation Goon didn't get he didn't get deep inside the paint, the touches he usually gets where he gets some easier layups. And when he finally did, I thought he kind of missed a couple of easy gimmies in the first half, especially. Um, and he kind of settled for some shots that are makeable for him, but not great shots for him, especially when the Rockets needed points in crucial moments of the, in this game. I mean, uh, Joel Embiid had an incredible first half. He did. It was just classic Embiid. He got every foul call. It was you know, the the works. And in order for us to stay in that game, we needed Operation Goon to to deliver an all-star performance early, right? To keep give us some scoring punch to keep our head above water while 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 MB was going. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, a little bit how how insane is it that Daryl Morey goes from James Harden, the NBA's league leading free throw merchant, to then getting the next NBA's right. league leading free throw merchant in Joel Embiid, who shoots more free throws than than God himself. Just <laughs> look and, and seventeen cr- of them tonight. Credit to Embiid, he understands the game. He understands how to attack, how to draw fouls, how to get to the free throw line. 
he manipulates the game at a very near like James Harden-esque level, but for a big man, which is insane. Um, in the first half, he had 26 points and he had 11 free throws, shot 11 of 11 at the line. So when you have a Sixers team that is shooting lights out from three, you have a Joel Embiid that you cannot help to you cannot hope to contain in single coverage, and you're trying to double team him, but you're also not double teaming him in a smart way because there were points yeah. where the Rockets would send a double team and they were not doing a it was not effective double teams right they would send the double and then still somehow foul which was a little ridiculous um and and the way Nick Nurse was running actions to get Joel and other players the ball like in motion on switches mm-hmm. I actually thought that coaching was just excellent from Nick Nurse tonight like not just defensively you talked about the defensive game plan but just some of the ways he got uh open threes for uh for uh Harris or uh, Tobias, right? Um, or in some of the actions where you just end up with uh, a smaller player on Joel and 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 Alperin trying from a switch trying to come late to help. It was it was really just I feel like a great offensive game plan, honestly. And at the end of the day, here's the crazy part: is the Rockets starters it actually didn't play terribly compared to the Sixer starters mm-hmm. because you you look up and down the board and you're like, okay, like yeah, Embiid had his monster night. Maxi had 27, but he took 18 shots to get there, 8 of 18 shooting. Like, I think that the Rockets kind of could have matched the output of the Sixer starters. Yes, Embiid was racking up the points, whatever. But they were kind of in this game, starters versus starters. The bench was where the difference was made in this one. You look up and down the Sixers bench, the contributions that they got off the bench, absurd. From from Paul Reed, Patrick Beverly, mm-hmm. House had a couple buckets, Marcus Morris Sr., um, it was a lot from the Sixers bench. Meanwhile, the Rockets bench, even though there were some, you know, silver linings in Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore's play, especially just the, the the looks that we got to see out of them as the game progressed and we got into garbage time, that kind of stuff. Some of the things that we saw out of them are worth enjoying and some silver linings because, again, we want to see the rookies develop and get better and, and work on things. So we have some positive stuff to say about them, but the bench as a whole, as it played in the first half, uh, when the game was actually still on the line, was pretty freaking horrendous we can look right now um jeff green was a minus 28 off the bench in the first half madison in one half of basketball 24 minutes played jeff green was a minus 28 amin thompson was a minus 15 cam was a minus 10 jay sean tate was a minus 12 it was bad and then fred van vliet and jalen green's plus minuses are also impacted because they were mm-hmm. you know at Let's points go. out there with some of the bench guys um shingun for the game for the half he was minus two uh for the game shingun finished a minus four for the entire game dylan brooks only a minus six uh jabari smith jr a little bit further off a minus eight jalen green minus seven for the game so the starters as a whole were not that far off and didn't like absolutely lose the minutes that they were mm. playing it was the bench that just got demolished and a huge part of that man was this decision to guard Joel Embiid with Jay Sean Tate off the Rockets bench. Um, I think Ime Odoka has done a lot of cool stuff. He's very creative. He's done a lot of, he's had a lot of great coaching moves. That move, Madison, was not, was decidedly not it. Um, for two factors. One, because Jay Sean Tate cannot guard Joel Embiid. And two, the Rockets as a team are not disciplined enough and and prepared enough for mm-hmm. a a scramble and recover defense, right? Ime actually mm-hmm. just kind of introduced that in the Boston Celtics game where he double teamed Tatum and mm-hmm. Brown at times and forced guys to scramble and try to recover back to Kristaps Porzingis or the other shooters. And we saw the Celtics light them up. They kind of tried the yeah. same thing with Joel Embiid and the second unit. And it had a couple possessions where like it kind of worked where like they forced the ball out of Embiid's hands. But once you do that, 
it's a three on four advantage or a four on three mm-hmm. advantage for the Sixers. And they did a great job moving the basketball, finding the open man, getting up a quick look. And the Rockets just don't have the understanding at the capability to play that aggressive style of defense and do it well enough to get away with it, especially when you're that undersized. And then you go to the other side of the court and they settled. It was like three possessions in a row, right? Right after Jay Sean Tate checked in the game, it was two straight back-to-back Jay Sean Tate threes and then a missed Jeff Green three. And I'm like, oh my God, this offense is about to sink to the it's bottom back. of the ocean floor. <laughs> yeah, man. It was it was a it was a tough watch for the bench. And it and it got out of hand quick. It got, it got, out, of, it got out of hand quick. But yeah, no, Jay Sean Tate on Joel Embiid is uh was a no-no. Um and Honestly, Jay Sean Tate hasn't been that great defensively in a while. It's it's been a tough it's been a tough go for him, but hopefully he'll be able to bounce back, you know, in the upcoming weeks. But but the Rockets got to up their physicality. They they have to they have to do something. I will say I thought they did much better job on Joel Embiid in that second half in that third quarter in specific. I thought uh the the refs finally stopped giving him knickknack uh calls and we were able we were able to actually get some stops on him and Alper and Shingoon had some some very good uh defensive plays against him oh, as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. That that third quarter was at least a a a, a positive silver lining in that you're like okay, yeah. the Rockets were able to actually match the Sixers a little bit in that third quarter. I always struggle though when a team is that far ahead in the game. I always struggle with finding like a a moral victory there because it's like, are they just, did the Sixers kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit because they're up 20 and that's why the Rockets suddenly look a little bit better. Let's, let's choose to just believe. And and, and I think the eye test matches that the execution was better. The competitiveness was a little bit better in that quarter. It's just Mm -hmm. the game was so far out of reach at that point. And they're on the, you know, on the what third game and, three and a half days, right? Cause you play the back to back, you get the one day off mm-hmm. and then you have to roll into Monday and play a noon tip off. Like that's a brutal that's three game tough. stretch. That's not, you, you've done three games in four nights, right? But like that's three games in like three and a half nights or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it because they didn't get that, that extra stretch of time that you get instead of, because they had the 12 PM tip off. It was like, it hurt. It was a bad loss. <laughs> um, there's a reason the 76ers are a really good team. Joel Embiid made his return in this game because, of course, he did. Um, and he looked like every bit the reigning MVP that we know that he is. So that's kind of, it is what it is at this point. But we do want to talk about a couple, we'll end on a, a couple positive notes here. We'll talk about the Rockets' rookies. Because even though this game, this season has been about wins and the Rockets is more competitive uh, as, as a team, they look a lot better. The development of the young guys is still the number one priority for this organization and, and for this organization to get to where they want to be down the line, the young guys have to find ways to develop. And so seeing some positive steps from Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore, even if they are in garbage time uh, at times, it's exciting stuff to be able to talk about. So we're going to talk about those two guys and any final thoughts we have coming up here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Look, I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we talk for just a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade, which is honestly pretty scary stuff to consider. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if a close friend or a loved one got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication that they needed. Thankfully, 
you're going to be covered because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, skin infections, uh, respiratory infections, so many other things that could happen to any one of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of their regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Again, that's jacemedical.com. Use code locked on for $20 off your order today. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, I want you to take a deep breath. Do it with me. Madison, come on, do it with me. Let it all out. It's going to be okay. All right. It's going to be okay, guys. The world, the sky is not falling. The Rockets have had a rough go of it on this road trip. It's okay. There's a reason that the Rockets are a team that have aspirations to just make the play-in tournament, and there's a reason that the 76ers have the reigning MVP and have championship aspirations. There are different classes of team in the NBA, and the Rockets are on the upswing, yes, and things look better, but we need to also rein in our expectations a little bit. Stuff like this is going to happen over the course of an 82-game season, and the Rockets, I I think this road trip has been a nice little reality check at times for the Rockets. Especially with the schedule. There's it's not just the Rockets. There's been a slew of blowouts across the league yeah. because of the play-in uh mix-up of these these back-to-back nights and these all these traveling and early starts. It's it's just been a very weird and tough thing. A lot of schedule losses across the league. This is not just happening to the the Houston Rockets right now. It's happening to a slew of teams. A lot of people are getting blown out in schedule losses. So guys, just <laughs> We'll get it together. <laughs> All right. Where are we going first for our two silver linings to wrap up this episode? Amin Thompson, Cam Whitmore. Who are we talking about first, Madison? Yeah. So I think we got to go Cam, man. We got to do our, We got to go our guy, Cam Whitmore. Um, Cam continues to impress. And because he continues to impress, his minutes continue to go up. I know we had some garbage time minutes tonight, but it's clear that Cam is getting serious minutes. And to me, it's starting to seem to surpass uh, Amon's minutes, you know what I mean? Even in second halves, getting more minutes. And of course, the crunch time minutes in the uh, Chicago game. But as of this game, one of the things that I noticed uh, that uh, Cam got that I've been waiting to see more of is a creation rep, a pick and roll creation rep. I, he he had one very good pick and roll creation rep where he actually, I think, scored in that play. Uh, it, was, with it, was the midi, it was the midi that he yeah. pulled up, right? So he, he got the screen exactly. from LP. He dribbled. He lo- it looked a little funky. I'm not going to lie. Like he kind of looked did. a little <laughs> like he wasn't sure what he was going to do. He, it, it was like he, he hadn't gotten a pick before. So he was like, where am I going? He was um, like, oh, it's on me. <laughs> yeah, all, like all, all his plays to this point have either been catch and shoot threes or like transition plays or like attacking off the catch where like he creates all his own offense, right? And he's been really good at that. But then he gets like the screen from LP and he kind of like dribbles into it. Like, oh, how am I navigating this pick and roll? Elevated from about like, you know, free throw line area, you know, mid range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it went in. He, he knocked it down. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just think Cam has that innate ability to just he knows how to get the ball in the hole. When all this fails, I'm going to pull up and it's a very good chance I'm going to make it because I'm talented enough. And he, he just he has like that shot making about early in the first half. Too. He had like a soft, like one handed floater from like almost, that floater was almost nice. free throw line range. Like It was yeah. kind of far out. And I kind of like, the moment he shot it, I was like. Is that a bad shot? Like, I don't, but then he made it and I was like, I, if it goes in, it, it could maybe still be a bad shot. But like, that's kind of the crazy thing about Cam is he has different tools in his bag that he hasn't mm-hmm. really had a chance to like showcase 
fully yet, but he'll pull out, he'll have moments like that. Like when he posted up Damian Lillard, right on the mismatch, he has little wrinkles to his game. He's mm-hmm. not just your, your stereotypical, like, you know, bucket getting score or whatever. He has a lot to his game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also had a very, very nice kick out to, I believe, uh, Amon Thompson in the corner. I think he, I believe he missed the shot, but it was a very nice kick out in traffic where he, where he was, uh, down low deep and he drew a lot of defenders and was able to, uh, make that pass. And that's the type of development we need to see from him if we want him to become a, a star in the future he's going to be able to have to be able to make those passes and like you and like we were talking about with that with that rep he had in the pick and roll it was a funky rep you could tell he wasn't all the way comfortable but I think him pulling up in that situation was the right decision because they did not leave Alperin Shingun. Alperin Shingun would have been his release man, and they stayed home on a lot of those shooters, and that was the actual correct choice. You could just see it kind of churn in the decision-making, churning in his head, and it, it, it to me – there's there's something there to build off of, and I like that we're starting. He's starting to find a couple of reps in in the flow of the game in a similar way that Jabari Smith has been finding his his rhythm and ways to get some uh, some isolation reps within the uh, rhythm of the game. And I think that's the next step for him now that his minutes has gone up. Can we get two or three possessions where we let out what we let Cam initiate to see what he actually has in that department and what he needs to work on to get better? You know, I'm, I'm torn because. Yeah, like, you know, I kind of think the reps that Cam could benefit from are not maybe necessarily reps where he, like, walks the ball up and initiates the offense, oh, no, right? No. But but just, like, the occasional, kind of like what Dylan gets, right? Like, the way that Dylan will occasionally mm-hmm. get, like, a screen, a, you know, a screen and roll opportunity coming off the wing or whatever. Yes. Um, maybe, you know, they run, they run the <laughs> so, initial action, right? That, so that kind yeah, of thing. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not I mean, initiate as a point guard, but it, I, I feel like when you initiate the pick and roll, you you know what I mean? I feel like that's an initiation rep. For sure. No, for sure. Yeah. You're, you're right. We're, we're on the same page there sorry i don't know why like i started kind of mis- i just started thinking like, <laughs> oh please like, i don't want to run an office uh, no but yeah. um no and, and again it's it's that's that's the delicate balance here for this rockets team because they've got the rookies they've got young guys they've got you know jalen and jabari and alp and uh tari who's still currently out but they, they've got these young guys who they want to work on and refine their skills and grow them but at the same time they're trying to win basketball games so it's it's how how much you know, if you're looking at it as like a Venn diagram, right? How much overlap can you get between the two circles of, hey, we're trying to win games. We're also trying to develop these guys as much as possible because the moment you start putting too many eggs in the developmental basket, that's when you start to see, you know, too many mistakes being made. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, you know, a couple guys have an off game because you're, you're sacrificing reps to them and you're not winning basketball games. And that's when you're sliding too far in one direction. But then you also have those moments where if you're prioritizing the vets over certain young guys and certain lineups, then, you know, those guys aren't going to get valuable on court reps to actually get better. And I think that's why we saw such a, a loud section of the fan base kind of championing for minutes for Cam Whitmore because he's shown us a lot in very limited run. And now he's at a point where these minutes are helping him, right? Like he, we're seeing him get better exactly. on a game by game basis. And that's been really exciting stuff to witness happen in real time. So love what we've seen from Cam Whitmore. He really has kind of like stepped into that role and, and his skill set, right, is a little bit more tailor-made to step into an ancillary role than, say, mm-hmm. Amin Thompson's is, which is why yeah. I think at this point you're seeing Ime start to trust Cam and, and provide him with even more minutes at this point than Amin Thompson is getting because Amin's role is just a little bit different, right? Like, he mm-hmm. he has moments where he's able to initiate and run the offense, but there's also large stretches of time where he's on the floor and he's being used in an off-ball capacity or he's being mm-hmm. used as, like, 
a three and D wing, but minus the three point shooting, which is not yeah. great for offensive floor spacing. And he's still making the most of it, right? He has games where he mm-hmm. walks away with a handful of like offensive rebounds. He'll get some tip ins. Um, he had one in this game, right? So he does good things on the floor, uh, but it's just a lot harder to get mm-hmm. those reps for a men than it is to get the reps for Cam. Yeah, it's a lot harder when you are you're you when you are a non-shooting wing, right? And and that's because that's not his position. He's supposed to be running point guard. He's just not ready for that. That is that requires a lot more responsibility than what we're asking Cam to be in that ancillary role. But I will want to I do want to praise Amon Thompson's uh defense. I mean, Amon Thompson's on point with his rotations. Um, I think he's really uh impressive defensively. He uses his length well when he gets switched on to uh, uh, to to better primary defenders, I think he's held up really well. And over the course of him and Cam have gotten better on defense and limiting their mistakes. Especially Cam had a lot of off ball mistakes when you know guys will just uh, cut back or he'll get he'll get lost in the the scrum of the play. The game is kind of moving or, or too like fast a little late on a switch that kind of thing. Yeah, just, exactly. Because those those are those are like rep things where it's just again you mm-hmm. you do it enough times it becomes second it. nature, right? It becomes mm-hmm. okay, cool. Switch is coming. I know that I'm hitting this switch, right? That's why yeah. when you see the starters out there. The starters obviously log the most minutes together. So the starters, by and large, look pretty cohesive at times defensively because they have all those reps playing with one another. They understand, you know, Jalen and Dylan are getting ready to do a switch. They understand exactly who's switching where, how we're guarding this certain play. Cam hasn't had those opportunities yeah. yet. But to your point about yeah, Amin, right? I, I think at this point, Amin is probably further along where I thought he would be defensively because he, mm-hmm. he really is a great impact player on the defensive side. That's why he's still earning minutes. That's why he still trusting him out there on the court, kind of in that pseudo wing role. Uh, and then I think he's maybe a little bit further behind offensively, but it's not necessarily mm-hmm. his fault. It's more just the minutes that he's getting. Again, if he was drafted to the Blazers or something, and he was given 30 plus mm-hmm. minutes a night to be the point guard and run the team and have, four shooters around him, he'd probably be racking up like 20 and seven on a nightly basis. I, 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 I feel like pretty confident in saying that it might not be a super efficient 20 and seven, (laughs) but I'm telling you like the, the moments where we've seen a men drive and kick and recognize where his shooters are Mm -hmm. and get the kick out passes one Rockets just can't shoot worth a damn. Right. So like there's a, there's a plenty of times he kicks it out, makes the right read, gets it to an open shooter and you clank like, so that's problematic. Um, it's just it's going to take a little bit longer for him to really yeah. be comfortable running an NBA offense top to bottom, which is also kind of why it's beneficial that he does have a Fred Van Vliet next to him, who yeah. is a guy that can play in either the on ball run the offense role or you shift him a little bit more off ball and get him in those reps. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, but ultimately, we like the progression of yes. what these these young rookies are uh, have been showing us, and they are getting better. We've seen them incrementally get better and more comfortable. If it's Cam and switches and in, in off ball play, as well as Amon uh, starting to initiate more and uh, 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 pass the ball a lot, as well as you know get some steals out and get out and running in transition. I mean, I, when Amon gets out in transition, uh, you know, I feel really good about the decisions he's going to make at that point. So, uh, you know, that's what we want to see from our young guys. And, and, his, and his finishing in this game too, was on another level. He yeah. missed his one three point attempt that he had, but he was seven of seven inside the arc. He had that one little like midi pull up where he kind of hezied and, and then pulled up from the free throw line. And then aside from that, everything else was at the rim and he hit every single shot, a career high 14 points for a mm-hmm. Thompson in this game. So some positive stuff, definitely to be excited about with him. And, and the last point here that I want to echo before we shut things down is just, Again, the the 
kind of the stakes of this season, I think, have have skewed some of our perception of what this team needs to be right now or what they should be or what mm-hmm. should be happening on the floor. We should be incredibly excited that with the production that we've seen from a men in camp because they are productive players that can help winning right now as rookies. That doesn't happen a lot. I think that there's, you know, if we were to compare, if we were to compare like a men and cam and their rookie seasons right now to the rookie seasons of guys like Jalen or Jabari, mm-hmm. those guys were not ready to help winning at a high level oh. as rookies. Uh, they were given a different structure, right. Or, or lack mm-hmm. thereof. Um, but <laughs> they, they were given all the, all the room in the world to just make mistakes and do whatever they want to do. And we're seeing a men and cam actually be functional, viable pieces mm-hmm. of a team that can play and has played very high level basketball. Now they've struggled as of late. They've struggled on the road trip. Yes. But those two guys are really exciting for that reason alone, that as rookies, they've been able to be, you know, impact winning at a decent level as rookie players, which does not happen a lot. So I just wanted to make yeah. sure we made that point before we shut things down. But any final thoughts, Madison, before we wrap up? No, just looking forward for the Rockets. Get get a couple days off, a day or two off, get some rest, and you know, come back with a, a, more attention to detail, more effort on the I defense. I thought you were going to come back with them. a win against the Knicks. Come on, let's speak it into existence. Yes, man, man. let's win, come back with a win against a the win Knicks. Against the Knicks, we're going to look like such dumbasses when that. Uh, doesn't no, we're not. No. We're All right. That on that note, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at, man. Yeah, man. Uh, follow me on Twitter or X at Madman Leaks. Come talk Rockets ball with me. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, or on YouTube, just search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.